today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, Southwest Airlines extends its schedule through January 7th of next year. And if you're having trouble getting your passport, a local congressman's office is offering to help. Those stories next in the news. Last Saturday, upon returning home from a tour, one of Mark's staff had his suitcase lost by United Airlines. It's been a week. And we have an update on the lost bag and some must-do tips in case your belongings don't return home with you. And that'll be in our Smarter Traveler segment at 3.20. At 3.35, more evidence that TripAdvisor is deleting some bad reviews. And we talk about the most and least expensive airports to fly from. There's bad news for Sacramento travelers hidden in the data. Bunk beds and economy class, double-decker seats. We look into the future of air travel at 3.50. Making you a smarter traveler one tip at a time. We are the Travel Guys. On the road again. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Hope you're living your best life. Thanks for coming along. And uh, hi there, Mark. It's time for another one of our silly little radio shows here to make people there. smarter and, and travelers. Should, yeah, we should we should confess up front that because my company, Sports Leisure Vacations, is hosting 450 people at a tour preview day on Sunday afternoon, this show was taped on Saturday afternoon. There you go. There we God are. Forbid. Full disclosure. If the world ends in the next 24 hours, we won't be able to report on it. Full disclosure. And we are yeah, uh, yeah. right. We are, are, are locally sourced, and uh, we do wear clothes when we do our radio show, <laughs> just to be sure. So anyway. <laughs> Where did that come from? How, how, was, how was tour day uh, today? No, wait. We can't do that because it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> so we'll talk about that next week. But uh, so the company I own turned 44 years old this week. 44 so, years ago, yeah, huh? Yeah, 44 years ago. Now, now, was so. it 44 years ago when, uh, and you count that by way of when uh, when people put uh, feet onto the walkway onto one of your bus trips for the first time? Actually, it was a year or a year and a half before that. We, we were running trips without a business license okay. to, um, to Giants games. <laughs> And because I didn't really know what I was doing. And when that when 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 that started to expand to taking people up to Reno and Lake Tahoe on the gambling junkets, the daytime gambling junkets, why then it was necessary. Then we got a whole lot of people's attention and the bus and trucking industries hadn't and tour industries hadn't been deregulated quite yet in 1979. So it was kind of an interesting couple of years. I've told this story before about how Bob Matsui helped our company. Um, by keeping us in business until Congress deregulated uh, the industries that we were involved in. And it basically said, if you're an honest business person and you can do a good job, why then you can we'll get your license and you can take a shot at it, which is kind of sort of the way the country is, is built. But um, in some of those industries for a while, there were some controls. And anyways, it has been a, it has been a good run. I am blessed with, as a business person, 
I am blessed with an incredible staff of people who work for me who just absolutely bust their butts on a regular basis. And I have arguably the nicest group of customers that any business person could ever hope for. So I'm really, really, really a very lucky person. And I, I know that probably sounds like a bunch of BS on the radio, but it really is true. Um, we, we've we've become we've listened to our customers over the years and they have rewarded us with their patronage and it's just a, a match made in heaven. Well, all right. And if you happen to be one of those folks that's going to be uh, uh, going to the tour day tomorrow with Mark, uh, certainly hunt him down and give him a big happy birthday. OK, I mean, he hardly looks a day over 45 himself. <laughs> Shall we get to work? Let's do it. OK. At the top of everybody, every Travel Guys radio program, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the travel news, here's Mark. Might seem seem strange to mention this, but for most airlines, you can book uh, your trips, your travel, eleven months ahead of time. Usually, it's three hundred and thirty-one days. The schedule is open, eleven months ahead. Um, Southwest Airlines, however, is a little different. They open theirs in about two and three month chunks. It used to only be open a few months ahead. Now they're a little better at that. Uh, last week, they extended their their flight schedule through January seventh. Of next year. So what that means is if you're planning on holiday travel, ladies and gentlemen, this is the best thing I can do to make you a smarter traveler today. Um, if you're planning on holiday travel and you're planning on Southwest Airlines, I know what happened last year. Let's let's pretend that's not going to happen this year. Um, well, if you're going to fly on Southwest, this is the time to buy your ticket because now the schedule is open and the lowest fares are out there. Also, I will suggest to you, it's the time to buy your ticket on another airline if you're flying during the holidays because the fact that Southwest Airlines has now released their schedules and their fares tend to be lower and also minor the, minus the baggage fees, if you're flying to, oh, let's say, Des Moines, Iowa, then the fact that Southwest has released its schedule with a lower fare has brought down the fares on other airlines, American, Delta, United, things of that sort. So if you are thinking about flying during the holidays, they have basically the flag has gone up last week. So the best fares will likely go to the people who act now. So if you're considering holiday travel, no matter what carrier you're flying, if it's within the United States, probably the best fares are to be had over the next 30 to 45 days. Um, New York City. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Traffic in Manhattan was unbelievably awful. You can't get anywhere. It takes took us two and a half hours to go from the south end of Manhattan near Coney Island to Yankee Stadium. It's about 11, 12 miles. took us two and a half hours. Here is some good news. Yes, sir. And that would have been um, on a, on your on your motor coach, right? You guys don't yep. rent cars. <laughs> no, we so, don't. But usually uh, buses have some privileges and some bus only say, lanes. And yeah. Stuff. Even with that, even that didn't it was that. a catastrophe. It was so bad that I put the people on the subway at Yankee Stadium and took them back to Times Square ish. And we walked a little bit. Uh, because the subway got us there in like 30 minutes, and it was looking like another two-hour. Uh, if you if you travel if you go to New York City, I think we said this on the air recently. If you tr- go to New York City, don't rent a car. Use the subway. If you can walk some, you know, three, four, five blocks, then the subway will take you almost anywhere. It's safe. It's inexpensive. It's pretty reliable. 
much more reliable than being in surface streets on a cab or an Uber or something like that. Heaven forbid, just figuring out where to pick the cab or the Uber up is uh, is a lot of difficulty. Anyway, back on track here. New York City will charge drivers going downtown. And what they didn't say here is midtown. You know, in New York, uptown, midtown, downtown are all three distinctly different places. So if somebody says, oh, I'm going downtown, it means they're going to the south end of the island. Midtown is the middle of the island, etc. So New York City is going to charge drivers to drive in midtown and downtown Manhattan coming up soon. Um, they are, and the reason for there's going to be a toll. And people who, you know, uh, cab drivers, buses, things like that, that go in and out of the zone many times during the day will only pay once a day. But uh, proposals range from charging vehicles 9 to $23 during peak hours. It's a set to go into next spring. It's working its way through all the regulatory things. Um, some people are going to say, oh, my God, another charge. I will suggest to you this might be a good thing. It might be possible if they charged enough money to get enough vehicles out of that area. And if they encourage them, you know, trucks and stuff, deliveries at night, which they already do, but they're going to do more of, people might actually be able to move around in, on the surface streets in Manhattan. But anyways, there's going to be a toll to drive around Manhattan. We'll see how that is all regulated. It's streets and stuff, so they can't build toll booths. They're going to have to, you're going to have to have some kind of transponder on your car or go under something that records you or something like They'll that. They'll figure sure. it out. <laughs> Should be interesting. Uh, Congress has submitted uh, the House version of the FAA reauthorization bill. Uh, that reason that's important to you is because in there are some potential protections for consumers. I'm not going to go into great detail here. There are some of the consumer rights we are hoping for. It doesn't have all of the things in there we were hoping for. So once again, our elected officials have backed down a little bit from what they have said they would do to us. I have no doubt they've caught a lot of flack from the lobbyists of the airlines, and they are very pobby, powerful lobbyists. Uh, anyways, we'll see what happens as it works its way through Congress, whether or not any of these protections that the Secretary of Transportation and the President have been so hot on, or some of these things he's been trying to get rid of, these bogus fees and stuff, see if they make any progress. We saw nothing from the Republicans for four years. So now the Democrats are in their third year. Let's see if they can do anything. I'm not political about this. I don't give a damn who makes the progress as long as somebody goes after some of these people who are charging us all of these ridiculous fees and, and charges and stuff. Just get it done. Just exactly. Just get it done. Speaking of Congress and getting it done. Uh, got this from Congressman Barra's office uh, last week. I am in his district. My guess is that Congresswoman Matsui's office would help in the same way. They're pretty good folks, too. I know some of the people there. Um, anyway, Congressman Barra sent out a notice that says uh, summer travel is coming. Is your passport up to date? And then it acknowledges that uh, my office is here to help constituents who are experiencing long wait times for passport applications or maybe weeks away from a planned vacation without receiving their passport. Heaven forbid. This is actually one of the things that the people who are in Congress are supposed to do for people. Amazing. I mean, this, is an, this is an actual example of your elected officials doing something that actually helps the guy on the street. I mean, it's I, I'm just I'm amazed. You, that you seem, you I, I like Congressman Perry a lot. You were pretty and I'm, overwhelmed. I'm not, I'm not amazed that they're doing this, but I'm I'm just 
this doesn't happen very often that a congressperson's office reaches out to you and says, hey, we know this is a problem. If you need some help, call us. So I'm here to tell you, making you a little smarter traveler, if you're having this problem with your passport, Congressman Barra's office is inviting you to contact them for assistance. We have put a link to his office at TravelGuysRadio.com. Um, it's barra.house.gov slash passports. And they are there to help you, and they are saying, they're telling you to call them. So if you're having passport issues, give them a call. If you're not having passport issues, but you your passport expires in the coming months and you have any international travel planned, just know passports are taking a long time to get renewed. So get on it early so that you don't have to be one of these people calling the congressman's office at the last minute. Uh, Heathrow security officers, if you're traveling through London, they have announced 31 days of strikes this summer. Uh, it will result in in airlines, a large number of airlines facing the prospect of disruption, delays and cancellations. Uh, American United and Delta are on the list, including British Air and British Airways is also. So if you're traveling through London this summer, you might want to go online and get a list of I didn't send, didn't put a link up for us. Sorry about that. But if you just go and Heathrow strike dates into Google, I'm sure it will come up for you so that you can avoid it or at least know what you're headed into. Speaking of strikes, Southern California hotel workers have voted to authorize a strike, which could come as early as July one. News means that room attendants, cooks, dishwashers, servers, front desk agents, and more more than sixty Southern California hotels could be absent during the busy July 4th weekend. They are seeking a $5 an hour wage increase. We'll see how that goes. If you're planning a trip to Southern California after July 1st, staying in a major hotel, you might want to keep your eye on that one. Vantage Travel, big, big, big company, is reportedly looking to sell. They have docked a couple of their cruise ships, uh, have been docked for several months. They're having some financial issues. Vantage travel so if you're thinking of a trip there think again if they owe you some money um you might press the issue or if they haven't sent it to you now you know why they don't have any um here's something kind of fun to close out the travel news you're thinking of going to new york for thanksgiving day you can watch the macy's thanksgiving day parade we used to take people to the marriott marquee we still go to to new york at thanksgiving and they could see the parade from the front of the hotel had some windows in a restaurant that gave you a great view. We thought the tickets were outrageously priced at $75 a person. <laughs> Here's a package now, a few years later, where you can sit um, and watch. The, the parade no longer goes past the Marriott Marquis, but uh, at the at Rockefeller Center and have brunch. And uh, it starts at $500. If you want the upfront seats and the deluxe brunch, it's about 1300 bucks. So if you're going to New York City... Um, There are great ways to see the parade if you're willing to part with a little of your hard-earned cash. And that's your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom. Don't forget, TravelGuysRadio.com for uh, links to the stuff we talk about and much more. At uh, Once again, TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark, you got a little story that you want to share with us that kind of precludes the tip. There's nothing like a first-hand experience to give you a real idea of what's really happening somewhere. Uh, last Saturday night, got back from a long trip. Uh, my assistant, uh, Tyler Spag, didn't show up. There were some unusual circumstances during check-in in Newark 
where we started checking in the group's bags and his bag kind of disappeared in the check-in process. United sent a thing and said, here's the tag number. It'll be, you know, soon it'll be on its way to Sacramento. Didn't happen. Got to Sacramento, no bag. Uh, United hasn't been able to find the suitcase, which under the circumstances doesn't really surprise me. I, I suspect that the bag was never tagged, that a tag was run for it, and it was never put on the suitcase. The suitcase was sent down a ramp somewhere, and now it's floating around in baggage never Neverland. And whether it'll be found eventually, it's got his name clearly on it. Um, here's here's my guess. Uh, nobody at United really gives a damn about whether the bag is ever found or not. They really, I mean, honest to God, from the time I went into the baggage office after the plane arrived, and Tyler was on my record, so I have a little status with United, so I went into the baggage office in hopes that when they pulled that up, they would see that, and they would say, gosh, Mr. Hoffman, we we need to, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put a little extra effort, make sure this gets to you tomorrow. Well, of course, it didn't get to us tomorrow because the bag was never found. Each day, Tyler gets a note. Within a few minutes, time, same day, same time every day from United, same exact word, automated message that says, we haven't found your bag, still looking for it, uh, United Airlines. So now it's been a week. And, uh, you know, the airlines tell you if you have to buy something, why then, you know, go ahead and do it. We'll reimburse you for it. So in this case, this gentleman was on a nine-day tour. He had a good portion of his work wardrobe in his suitcase. So Mm -hmm. he's had to spend several hundreds of dollars, probably more than several, replacing those items because he's still working and he has to have clothing to wear. So um, (laughs) United doesn't seem particularly concerned about that or particularly concerned about the bag. Or um, You can't get anybody – when you get them on the phone after some delay – um, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're, we're on it. We'll, we'll call Newark. We'll get the right people on the phone. We'll get after them, but then nothing happens. So my guess is that probably some of these people are well-intentioned, but at the end of the day, nobody really gives a damn. And that bag is sitting somewhere, probably has been for several days. And if somebody really wanted to find it, they probably could. My guess is that 30 days will go by. They'll declare the bag completely lost. It'll show up in Alabama someday at the uh, unclaimed baggage right. sale. My and they'll have to reimburse Tyler a considerable amount of money. And he will have gone you know, through all of this and had to replace things. And they act as though, the airlines act as though, you know, it's no big deal. I mean, you don't have your stuff. And this happens all the time. And, you know, have a nice day and go buy some new stuff. And then we'll fight with you later over uh, depreciation and how much the stuff was worth that you lost and all of that kind of jazz. And I just think it's BS. I, I, I think the airlines could do a much better job at this. And having experienced it myself up close and personal over the last week, I just say shame on United Airlines. And I don't know that they're any different from any of the others in that um, it's just they lose so many bags get displaced every day that it's not a big deal to them. And so the rules need to be tougher. You know what the funny thing is? You pay them to handle your suitcase. They right. don't even offer you a refund for the money you paid them to handle the suitcase when the suitcase doesn't arrive. So, I mean, can you imagine going to a restaurant and them asking you up front to pay for your meal, and then your meal never arrives, and they say, well, that uh, never mind, you still don't get your money back. I mean, nobody would do business that way. So it's just... It's one of these weird things, and they get away with a lot of stuff, airlines and people do in particular. But, you know, damn it, we gave them tens of of billions of dollars to stay in business during COVID, and you would just think that they would have a little more appreciation 
for and and I'm a guy with some level of status within United Airlines and I can't get him to pay attention. So imagine the poor guy who flies once a year. I mean, he's got no chance at all. So at the thanks end, for listening to that extended rant there, <laughs> sir. Okay. Well, with all that being said here, the question is, where's the tip? If your bag does not show Ah, up. Thank you, sir, for before we ran out of time here for doing that. First of all, document every conversation, every exchange, every everything, every email, every phone conversation. Take notes. Make a list of everything. Let the airlines know that you are doing that. You don't have to to threaten them or anything like that. Just tell them I'm I'm keeping track of everything. Get the names of the people that you talk to on the telephone, not because you're going to turn them in for anything, but just because later, if there's any question as to how you handled things, you want it. We want to be able to show that you were persistent. You spoke with their staff. Here's what they told you. You did what they told you, and now you want the money back for the things that you that you had to purchase. Document everything all all along the way. Anytime you have any kind of exchange with anybody in the travel industry and they owe you money, make sure you document everything. Well, there you go. Smart, smart information. And one more important thing, one more important tip. Be polite, but be persistent. If your bag is lost, contact the airline every single day. They're putting that in a record. Same thing with you have an issue with a hotel or something like that. Don't let up. Stay after them because in many cases, the squeaky wheel will get the grease. Well, there you go. Don't forget links to our special, special, I'm having trouble the word special, Mark. Is that a sign of a, like, do I have having a stroke or something? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All the special drink, the special stuff we talk about can be found at travelguysradio.com. Okay, here we go. Got a couple of good subjects to talk about in this particular segment. Uh, where do we want to begin, Mark? Well, let's talk a little bit about TripAdvisor here. Um, we mentioned last week that I had seen in a couple places that TripAdvisor was violating its own policy and removing negative hotel reviews. And another story has come up. This was originally reported on the uh, the uh, blog, uh, One Mile at a Time. It's now popped up in a couple of other places, and TripAdvisor is telling folks that, well, yeah, sometimes we do remove reviews. For example, if a hotel has a lot of bad reviews about its restaurant, and the hotel contacts us and says, look, you know, the restaurant is closed, it's reopened now, it has completely different ownership, management, whatever, and we really don't feel it's fair to have those reviews up there because this is a whole new situation. As a consumer, eh, I kind of have mixed feelings about that, but I, that's a legitimate argument. It's a legitimate point for, for a, a a vendor to make. Um, and TripAdvisor says, well, then you know, we've taken down the, the, uh, the reviews. They say if somebody puts up something with profane or vulgar language or intolerant language or irrelevant information that they reserve the right to take it down. Well, um, an example, there was a Marriott Hotel in Chicago that wasn't honoring uh, Marriott Hotels. If you're a certain status, then you get a free breakfast and a, f- a full breakfast or a continental or whatever. And this St. Regis Hotel in Chicago was not honoring this. They were saying, well, the restaurant is owned by a third party and therefore it doesn't fit the qualification, yada, yada, yada. Well, so people started posting online at some of these blog sites mm-hmm. that this hotel was you know, telling its best customers that not so much. And so they got nailed for it, and they had to change their policy. 
And so TripAdvisor, once the policy was changed, then took down the negative reviews. So, yeah, I, I guess maybe um, the fact that that situation even occurred is something that I might care to know about as a consumer. Maybe the hotel could be allowed to post something on their page that says, you know, we're aware that the situation existed and we're sorry and the policy's been changed and now you folks who have these qualifications will receive these amenities at the hotel and maybe that's the way that that they could handle something like that without taking the negative reviews down. Well, isn't there an option for whether it's a TripAdvisor review or any review, uh, uh, Yelp or whatever, uh, that the people that that are being uh, critiqued, if you will, uh, have the option to also go to that website and post their side of the story? They can. Uh, Many don't, which is another sign. Um, because the fact that they didn't post their side of the story means that perhaps the one side of the story you just heard was correct. Um, that's just a huge oversight on the behalf of those people because many of them spend a lot of time and effort getting employees and stuff to, if they're getting lousy reviews for their restaurant, they'll get an employee to create six or eight different accounts and put up six or eight different reviews saying the restaurant is wonderful or they'll hire somebody who will do that for them. Under a variety of different – so it dilutes the bad reviews. And this is why – this is really why 10 years ago you could look at online reviews and you could say, you know, that that really is reflective of how this company does business. But nowadays you really can't. They inflate the reviews. I I get regularly – every time I buy something online now these days, I get a request from the vendor, you know, please – Please log on. And they don't say, please log on and give us a rating. They say, please log on and give us an excellent rating. Right. And Tell um, us how wonderful we are. Yeah, exactly, which kind of offends me a little bit. But the other thing is that I guess people are more likely to leave a review maybe if they're unhappy. And that disproportionately makes the unhappy reviews. When I'm trying to consider doing business with with a company, a travel company, or buying something online, I go and look at the reviews, I I confess. I don't look at the five-star or the four-star, and I generally don't look at the three-star. I look at the twos, the ones, and the zeros because there won't be very many of those most likely, and I want to see what those people were angry about. Mm -hmm. Is it something that's important to me, or did the hotel or the restaurant respond, and was there a logical reason this happened? You know, the reason that you know, you, there was no chicken is because we were out of chicken for four days, and um, sorry we didn't have your favorite dish, but... You know, call us and we'll make you a special deal next time or something like that. Now, if the, if the if they made some effort to make it right with the customer, then to me, that shows the sign. That's a place that I want to go to. Again, I'm assuming that most of their reviews are going to be positive, but you cannot put a lot of value in positive online reviews because – and now that we have artificial intelligence going in here – I'm going to suggest to you that that makes it probably even easier to do that. And so I just online reviews. I look at the bad ones and then I make my decision based on what those bad reviews say. I want to see the underbelly of the beast and see what happened when they responded to that. So that's that's just me, I guess. You know, I and I'm sure uh, you do, too, miss the simple days of the AAA travel book. With uh-huh. the, uh, you know, five stars, four stars, uh, Motel 6, whatever, 
Marriott, whatever, when you get ready to booking hotels or restaurants as well, uh, where it was things were things were a lot simpler. Of course, those reviews, if I'm not mistaken, were done by a particular group of uh, of triple A employees and uh, reviews and feedback from uh, travelers who used that book and went to those held hotels and then reported back to to triple A. So. You know, AAA uh, had a whole, and Tom, those those things can still be found online. I don't know how rigorous they are, but in the old days, hotels they were scared to death of the AAA. Oh, sure, (laughs) and because they wouldn't tell you when they were coming, of course, and they would just check into your hotel, and then when they were leaving, they would tell you that they had been there. Mm -hmm. And so then you had to wonder, you know, what did they run into? But uh, and I would suggest you that was a huge incentive for a, a small hotel. Um, once a year, the AAA inspector came. You never knew when the inspector was coming, and you wanted that that three diamond instead of two, or that four diamond instead of three, or even two instead of one. Oh yeah, diamonds, diamonds. Yeah, diamonds. And so yes, and for years and years, when I first went into business, when we were looking for attractions to add and things like that, the AAA book was the very first. Before we developed a a, a lot of contacts and things, the AAA book was our bible when it went to those kinds of things because there was so much information there and so you'll know if you haven't gone to a triple a office and looked they still have them and will provide them to you yes they will yes they will and and that information is available online too okay oh, not as much um, let's let's shift gears here okay. to a second subject um we teased this during the week we talked about um expensive airports to fly out of in the united states we have a uh, a study that has given us some information. Let's see. This is according to Finance Buzz, which reviewed the average domestic airfares from 45 of the busiest airports in the United States. There's definitely a price difference. The study reveals that the least expensive airport in the country in 2022 was Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. Huge hub airport. Mm-hmm. Every airline has nonstop flights into Las Vegas. So a lot of service, not surprising. It has topped the least, uh, the list of least of, of most affordable airports every year but one since 2018. So this isn't their first first <laughs> rodeo, so to speak, at the top of the least expensive airports to fly out of, with an average fare of two hundred sixty four dollars. Next on the list, a couple of Holly of uh, Florida airports. Fort Lauderdale and Orlando. Then Oakland was fourth, oftentimes has much lower fares than competing San Francisco across the bay. Mm-hmm. And Chicago Midway was fifth. I will suggest to you that one thing about those bottom, about all five of those airports, they all have a tremendous amount of service by Southwest Airlines. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Probably has something to do. Most expensive airports in the country. Here they are. To fly out of, on the other hand. Um, Dulles in Virginia, which is a, a sub, it's the suburb of Washington, D.C., was the most expensive, an average of $494 a ticket. Second place, SFO. Third place, Charlotte Airport, and then Portland and Detroit Metro, um, all with average ticket prices of 425 or above. Remember that for comparison sake, uh, Las Vegas came in at 264 so quite a difference there. So where does Sacramento land on all of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Sacramento's not in the top five for expensive, 
They're not in the top five for least expensive. Where do we fall? There's another list. This is not good news. The five airports that experienced the biggest cost rank increase. In other words, there's this list of 45 airports in the country that they surveyed, which is the most expensive, which is the least expensive. Who went up the most? Who was the lowest on the list and went up the most? San Diego went up 16 slots. So that's a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, on a list of 45, that's a lot. Uh, Honolulu up 11 slots. Guess who has the third spot? Sacramento. Wow. Up nine slots. So our airfares went up considerably more than the average increase across the country last year we experienced here in Sacramento. I'm a tour operator. I buy a lot of tickets. I can tell you that is absolutely true. Boston Logan was fourth, and San Jose went up six slots. They were the fifth. Um, Across the country, fares at the 45 busiest airports rose by an average of $50 a ticket from 21 to 22. So that's at the average airport. Sacramento's average cost increase doesn't tell us here what that was, but my guess is since we went up nine slots on the list. So our airfares got a lot more expensive. Do Do you have any idea why? Do I have any idea why? Um, Better service. Okay. Better service. More choices. Um, People, more people. uh, Sacramento is marketing more, I noticed, to people in the Fairfield, uh, Vallejo area and saying, psst, psst, Mm -hmm. come up here. The parking's cheaper. This airport's easier to do. So they're, they're in front. They're going, they know, I'm sure their information is telling them that people from the fringe of the Bay Area are saying, you know, I'm 50 miles from Oakland. I'm 75 miles from San Francisco. I'm 60 miles from Sacramento. Where do I want to fly out of? Maybe they never even looked at Sacramento before, but now they are. So, uh, business is all about, and the increases in prices in business is all about supply and demand. That It's the oldest economic law on the planet, supply and demand. So the fact that Sacramento airfares are going up tells you that the demand for airfare in Sacramento is going up, going up as much as, as fast as any city in the country. People in Sacramento are traveling, and people who live around Sacramento are choosing the Sacramento airport to travel from because – it's a lot more dependable than San Francisco. I don't know about Oakland, but I don't think San Jose is necessarily part of this conversation. But the fact that Southwest is offering point-to-point service to places like Austin, uh, the St. Louis nonstop is coming back in the fall. Um, so some of those places are, if you're if you're going to Austin on any other carrier, you're going to have to fly somewhere and change planes. So I think Southwest is is beating them to the punch. Southwest has more flights out of Sacramento than the rest of the carriers combined. So they are the ones that are driving the market. If the fares are going up in Sacramento, then Southwest has something to do with it. Okay, Mark, let's delve into the future yeah. of, of air travel. Okay. Sidebar, before we get into this, yeah. um, I, I, I suspect just from what people say, more people are listening to our podcast now than maybe listening to the actual live radio show. Um, increasing. So if you don't, if you're if you're a listener and you don't catch the program um, on Tuesday mornings, usually the podcast is posted. So you can go to, to the website and listen to it at your leisure. Also, uh, I use uh, iHeartRadio. It's an app on my phone. Uh, it's free. 
And wow. and I, I don't know if they figured out that I'm one of the travel guys, but when I click on uh, the iHeart logo, uh, the first thing that comes up right on the side is yours and my picture and an opportunity to drill into our most recent uh, podcast. So uh, you can find us uh, anywhere, anytime at iHeartRadio. So if and you're you also, it, you, you, get the, you, you get Sands the News, the top and the bottom of the news, and the two commercial breaks. So the program is about 45 minutes long instead of 60 minutes long. So anyways, another, another way to get to the travel guys. I thought these two stories were kind of fun. They came up in the same week uh, from a website called Monthly Ticket. Uh, by way of CNN, and it looks as though there's some real consideration being given, Tom, to, and if you happen to be sitting in front of your computer right now listening to the Travel Guys, you can see exactly what we're talking about. Go to TravelGuysRadio.com. The show description for this week will pop up, and under the links, um, you'll see the links for the double-decker airline seat and the bunk beds, and so you can click on it and follow along with us if you like. Um, Anyways... What these guys are talking about, Tom, is airline seats. If you can paint a paint a visual picture for you, the person behind you and the person in front of you is elevated. They had to climb up a step to get into their seat, so their feet are kind of at the middle of your back, the person behind you, and uh, where the bend in their seat is is kind of where the person in the front of you is. It's kind of it's interesting, isn't it? It is. Uh, and if, like I say, folks, you need to go to TravelGuysRadio.com to, to see this. Uh, instead of uh, the kid behind you kicking the back of your seat, it's now the person behind you uh, kicking the back of your head. However, it does have it does have a partition so that it looks like if the person uh, on the top level uh, would bump the partition in front of them, uh, it wouldn't necessarily uh, affect uh, your seat. Uh it looks like the people on the on the upper upper level uh, have an opportunity to recline uh, without any problem uh, or interrupting the person behind them. Uh, yes, you'd have to be really tall for the the <laughs> for the person. We're talking about seats here that would be on two different levels, kind of a double decker airline seat. If you were if, if you're old enough to remember the old double decker Greyhounds. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, Amtrak has two levels. This is not that dramatic. But what it would do is uh, the, the way that they're selling this, the, the gentleman who put it together says that it will give people more personal space. It will allow airlines to fit a few more people on the plane. But he feels that the number of people they can put on the plane will be restricted because there won't be any more overhead space. So if you think now, the, the empty space on an airplane is between your the top of your head and the top of your seat and the overhead bin. So what they're proposing is that they will take every other seat and elevate it so that it will be higher and some people will be lower and that will take advantage of some of that open space, give people more open space at least to start with until an airline figures out a way to take it away. And then uh, what happens to the overhead bins? Looks like they they just they're gonna just no no go they away? would still be there. Yeah. The, the 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 seats are only being raised, and I don't know how with the airflow. And now the person in the top row has the little air thingy is like three inches from your head. So not sure how all of that would work. But travelguysradio.com, There's a picture of these double decker 
airline seats. And this gentleman says uh, that that uh, they're hoping to see these to be in use on airplanes by 2024. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the uh, bunk beds. Um, Air New Zealand's Skynest economy class uh, is what they're calling. Yes, in economy class. And there are not one or two, but three levels. Um, so some people would have to be able to get up into these, but they are basically small, lay fat, flat bunk beds. They're not the pictures. Again, there's a picture of them at, on our website. Um, the pictures of them make them look much more comfortable than the lay flat beds that currently are exist in some business and first class cabins, particularly on overseas carriers. Um, beware though, when they say it's a lay flat bed, it's a seat that they've made that they've made into a bed. Whereas this looks like something that um, this was a bed to start with, so to speak. And so obviously it will have to. Uh, my question to you, Thomas, let's say you had a five hour red eye flight across the country. Mm-hmm. OK, from Sacramento to Dulles or Newark or someplace like that. And a lay flat bed was two hundred dollars more. Any interest? You know, you sit up here again. In, unless it's like more than five hours, if you're getting into seven, eight, of course, mm-hmm. overseas, whatever, I'd be all all on board. But five hours, 200 bucks, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It, 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 what, what, what happens when the first time a guy t- goes or gal takes an Ambien and climbs up to the fir- third level and they go sleepwalking, forgetting that they're on the third level, curse splat, um, that could be kind of fun. Anyway, also, um, Air New Zealand says they hope it's an airline-produced product. They hope to see it in the sky in 2024 and to have the options of being able to buy it in economy class. So the great unwashed might have their own bed. <laughs> what, ha- what happened to the keep your seatbelt on at all times during the flight? Well, Because you there may to- be turbulence. You have to put your seatbelt. Yes, wouldn't that be depressing to have people flying out of the second and third level of the bunk beds while you were in the elevated seats? Um, this looks like this airplane looks a lot differently than the airplanes that we have today. And if they're going to do this and make it available in economy class, they they're going to have to do something in coach class because otherwise the people in a, in a, you know I mean the people I mean in first class otherwise the people up there are going to think they've been cheated anyway. Fun to look at travelguysradio.com. In the meantime. I think that's about the end of this week's program. Thanks to all the sports leisure travelers who showed up at our tour preview day this weekend. Um, Safe traveling to the rest of you. Remember to dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. See you next time here on The Travel Guys.